0: Housing market, the real estate market. I think for anyone who's studied history, we are about to go back to the future. So to have this conversation, I'm actually gonna bring on Ty, T Y L G, because he has a decade more experience in the real estate market than I have. And given that we're gonna go back to the future, I gotta bring my boy on. How
1: you doing, Ty? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited for this. Um I got to say I'm nostalgic. I I, I figured out that's one of the things for me. I'm very nostalgic about, uh, you know, timing like the eighties, the seventies and eighties. Like, so this is exciting. Thank you for doing this. This is going to be fun. Well, I'm always about giving full credit where
0: credit is due. You actually texted me last night saying, Hey, I saw you, you and Bruce Norris talk at flip hacking live. You and I should take a shot at getting Bruce Norris. This is you and me to do a session or a Zoom or a call or interview, whatever it is called Back to the Future. So we're going to try that. Don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but I, I, just, it's been bugging me for 12 hours, this idea of Back to the Future, because I think you are right. I don't think people realize what we are going to go through the next three, four, five years in the housing market is very akin to what happened in the 80s. Yes, I know social media makes things seem new but they're just dusted off from other historical things. So
1: um, what do you think of all that? I think you're spot on and it's interesting. And I'll, and I'll share kind of going back as a kid, when I was like 10 years old, I met a kid. We were playing little league together and I'm like, I go to his house and I'm like, you got a big screen TV. you got all these video games. you got two motorcycles. Uh, your dad has a beautiful car. What does your dad do? And he's like, my dad's in real estate. And I can tell you from that moment as a kid, I was obsessed. And this was like probably 19, uh, let's call it 1981. I literally, and I didn't even know this, I became a student. And so becoming observant, like really figuring out what's going on. So even with my folks buying a home in the eighties, subject to creative finance, they didn't call it that back then. I have been obsessed with this. And I want to say one other thing, too, that I love. This was independent. When this market really started getting weird in 2019, 20, COVID, all of this, kind of in that time, I go, what the heck is going on with this market? Is this, this was my thought. What it it feels like, are we going back to the 1980s? But here's the beauty of it. You and I didn't talk about this. You went and created a Mm 53-year spreadsheet you yeah. were having the same independent thought. And so when you released that, I was like, oh my God, is this <laughs> this might be real. So yeah. I- I'm blown away that, uh, you know, and we're probably the only people out there talking about this yeah, or one no. of the few people talking about it. So. Yeah,
0: certainly one of the few. And and certainly, you know, we have receipts, right? We got videos of conversations going back. And you're so right. When, when 2020 hit and rates go back to zero and the world's just off its kilter and then real estate explodes 20% and 12% or whatever, just nuts. I I have a flashback to the last crash because people may not know this, but Fresno, California, my my chosen market was the number one national market two years in a row. That's not normal. And what happened next is my market got whacked by 75%. So, I'm operating in a world where my real estate portfolio is exploding higher. And I have this history behind me of, oh shit, when this happens, get out of the way. So, my natural inclination is to sell everything. However, I happen to be a data nerd. I, I just, it just feels off to me. Something, something is different. So I built at the time what was called the 50-year spreadsheet. Now it's three years past. So again, right, it was created in 2020. Now it's 2023. So we call it the 53-year spreadsheet. That tells you how old it is. And I did research. And I went all the way back to 1970. And what hit me was, this is is akin to the early 80s, especially when Jerome Powell came out at Jackson Hole and basically said, I'm going to kick every rich person in the nuts. Um, because inflation is too high i'm like dude rates are going to go up now i didn't know they'd go up 500 but i knew they would double now of course they've gone up triple or even more so then i go back and i'm looking at this going should i sell everything but that was an option should i sell everything because it's crazy and the answer was clearly no so let me pull up the spreadsheet first, but then I want to go back to the future with Robert G. Allen, because I think there's a lot of things that Robert G. Allen uh, did in the 80s um, that are important. But let me bring up the spreadsheet just because I want people to see what I saw. What do you think, Ty? I
1: I literally, um, the amount of work, if people can see this screen share, the amount of work that's gone in here, but even like, the amount of detail and you look at what happened from the seventies and eighties, you see in terms of values where interest rates go sky high. So if we go to the rate uh, let's see, what row is that Uh, rate? There you go. The 30 year mortgage rate. And you look at that from 8.85 there in 1977. Mm -hmm. And then you see it go to 13.74 in the eighties. Dude, 16, 16, (laughs) 16, in eighty one, but then look at value. where it go like to median value. <laughs> yeah. That's the crazy part. Is it goes yeah. from fifty five thousand. 000... Oh
0: yeah. Let's see price. So I got home uh, row three. I
1: think is the median.
0: Oh, there it goes. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Look at you. Let's the... make
0: this purple. Yep. And look, so look
1: seventy. The... <laughs> yes, yeah, seventy
0: seven. Nice. It's forty eight grand and. In... It's sixty-eight grand, dude. Rates again. This is this is what I'm seeing. This this is me going. Oh my god! The last time this happened, prices crashed seventy-five percent. I look at this and go, okay. Rates went up eight hundred basis points. die today they went up five hundred basis points. Right. They went up eight hundred basis points last time, and prices went up,
1: nominal terms, nominal terms. And not only that, but this is interesting because, like, if we look at um, Crash Bros, right? So all the other, you know, the Crash Bros people on YouTube that are just saying, you know, foreclosure waves and crash, all just crash, 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 based on the fact that you know rates of 500 basis points and all of that. I don't. You can't look at one one uh, KPI or one number and and make a conclusion. And that's what I love about this 53. 53 year spreadsheet, you've got, I don't know, 35 data points in here, 30 yeah. plus data points that, um, you know, really tell a story. Yeah. So, so and,
0: and if folks, you don't want you, these aren't my data points. I didn't just make these up. You can find all the data sources listed back here on the data sources tab. So it's all there, but, but you know, this is important because I, I, it actually hit me today, and I talked about it on the daily financial news at the end. There are a lot of crash bros and now what I call crash sisters who think because in the Great Recession tie, there was this thing called strategic default Yep, where it was financially beneficial to not pay and walk away yep. because the debt reset and became too expensive and it was cheaper to rent or live somewhere else. All of these folks, or at least most of them, they believe that households will do the same thing this time. And I believe they are fundamentally nuts. That is because I am old enough to remember the early 80s. I wasn't buying real estate, but I was old enough to remember the 80s. And my family, specifically my mom, fought tooth and nail to keep our home because my dad was unemployed and this, that, and the other thing. And we were, we were housing insecure weekends away from foreclosure. It was bad. It was bad. But I remember her fighting to keep the home. Now, why did she keep the home? Why did she fight so hard? Why did she fight so hard and everybody gave up in the great recession? This is important. In fact, I would argue this is the thing where the crash sisters and crash bros are where we disagree the most. We disagree the most on this topic. I believe households, because they have the lion's share of mortgages below 5%, below 4, below 3, will fight, fight to stay in their homes first, repeat the Great Recession and mail the keys in. Because I saw my mom go basically tell me, Michael, I'm fighting hard for you and your sister. We can't lose this home. If we lose this home, we're going to go somewhere else. We are going to pay money, more money. We are going to be in a worse situation. We are going to be in a smaller home. And you know what, Michael? It may be so bad, we may have to go and live with my parents in Michigan. That was unattainable for her. And this is what Crash Sisters and Crash Bros do. They just act willy-nilly like mom and dad are going to go, oh, Everybody gave their home up in the Great Recession. We'll do that again. You guys don't get it. Households look at the situation and go, you know what? I have to stay here. It is economically beneficial for me to stay here. It is cheaper than rent. It is nicer than the alternatives. I don't want to live with my parents. We are going to find a way to stay. This attitude that everybody is going to give up like last time is fucking wrong,
1: in my opinion. Spot on. Spot on, spot on, and I mean, where do you go if you've got a three, four percent, five, even a five percent mortgage? If you got a four point nine or a four and a half, you know, and that's not that's not the case for most. But you look at the rates that are out there; they're simply there. You can't go and rent. The the only smaller thing I see smaller
0: and more expensive. Not yeah. I mean th- these are bad options.
1: Yeah it just doesn't make any sense. And so, um, no, the date and and here's the beauty. The data is right there. The data is right there in front of you. And so I would say that, um, for anybody, if you're watching this now, if you like what, if you like what you're watching right now, number one, subscribe to the channel because Michael does more work. What's unique is it, how many, how many hours did you put into that spreadsheet, Michael?
0: Oh, well, it's really me, myself uh, and John Williams, uh, who's helped me do this. And we probably got, um, I don't know, hundred hours probably now.
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Who's going to put a hundred hours into one, pro- like one project, one of, that's one of a thousand pieces of things you've yeah. put out and shared and content and, and, information, and we give it away
0: for free. We give it away for free
1: and he gives it away, but here's the beauty. The facts are, th- it's all factual. He states the, all the stuff. So, So kind of getting back to the point is that we really are, I believe, and I think you and I are equally agree on this, is that this is a very 1980s-like market. Yeah? Oh, totally agree. It's becoming more obvious by the day. It's becoming more obvious, even with, I can remember, as an example, also in the 70s and 80s, again, being nostalgic and remembering, having a good memory, I can remember my uncle being a diehard union man, communication workers of America, uh, working for AT&T, Pac Bell back then. And I can remember several times during that, you know, call it 15 year period from the seventies and eighties of them being on strike or threats of going on strike and getting the wage increases and getting the better compensation. So all of that kind of like we see now, UPS, I got a cousin at UPS. I got a cousin at Kaiser. I got yeah. two cousins at Kaiser. Actually, three cousins at Kaiser. You know? <laughs> a big old family, and, man. Yeah, man. I keep thinking, but but all of that is reminiscent. Yeah. Again, when was the last time you heard about people going on strike in the last twenty five years? Right? Like, been a while. Yeah. 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 It's been a so, while. So yeah, it feels in like eighties.
0: Yeah, and again, the other thing um, that's kind of like the eighties that again people don't want to kind of feel or admit is I do think that the I don't know the bottom half of the you know, bottom 50% of the income scale, they're going to get theirs. They're going to get theirs. Wages are as going up as they should, of course. Wall Street and CEOs, executives for 40 years have eaten the pie. Now it's time for the workers to eat. Now, I fully support that. I think it is wonderful. It is also inflationary. Let's just call it what it is. Now, some of that will be eaten in margin and profit, and that's all That's all good. But just like the 70s, I do think we're going to see multiple years of three, four, 5% real wage growth. That's on a big number, right? There'll be individuals like UPS that get 20% in a whack Definitely. increases. And maybe UAW gets 20% in one whack. I don't know. It's The strike's still going on. So you're right. I think there's, and oh, by the way, if you just want to really get nutty, um, I think there was the Yon Kapoor War in 1973 that was really uh, between Israel and Palestine, I think, again, not a Middle East expert, but I do, I do know it was 50 years ago. And then there was the oil embargo, which is a risk we have going forward. I mean, there's all of these things feel kind of similar to
1: the seventies and eighties. It's interesting too, because right. That's something that's very common. History repeats itself. They say that there's patterns, similar patterns and such. And so, um, I think it transitions well to talk about uh, creative yeah. finance and Robert G. Allen.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, a lot of folks on social media obviously know, you know the one and only Pace Morby, the sub two community. Uh, you are a coach, I believe, in the sub two community or a mentor. I don't, I don't know what the right lingo is. Um, but you do work in that community. I've actually got feedback from folks in my audience that you're awesome. You call people out, you make sure people are doing the work. It's awesome. So thank you for being just authentic. But there was a guy, and I think Face actually had an interview with Robert G. Allen, who is the OG. And uh, I actually went out and found, thanks to you, on eBay, the original, the original Creative Financing book. Let me bring it up. This is so cool. I, I haven't Show seen it. this. Yeah, and you can tell there wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of creative. Awesome. They were just words. That's 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 1981 book right there. Look at that.
1: I love it. I love it. it. It's uh oh, that's beautiful. Look, guns, look at the, guns too. And butter, the headline here: "Butter, Butter,
0: uh, Mount a Frontal Attack Against Inflation." Uh, real Estate Millionaire Robert G. Allen, you uh, shows you how in Nothing Down, the first the first real estate guide written specifically for limited dollar
1: investor. I love. It's it.
0: Awesome. It's awesome.
1: I love it. I love the frontal attack against inflation. <laughs> I I didn't well, know that I didn't know that it had that uh that I did on do the it. back cover.
0: Oh, I this is it. funny. Yeah, just look at all these. I, again, this is the OG book. I think it says, hold on, let me go back. Right, how would I get out of this? Oh, here we go. What year was what? this?
1: 1980.
0: Oh, there it is. Yeah, 1980 right at the top. Yeah.
1: 1980.
0: I actually might buy this book just to get the like first buy edition. Buy, buy it. buy it it now.
1: I love it. (laughs) I love it. And and you know, and I want to share it, Michael. I'll I'll buy it later. So don't see my credit card. I mean, maybe in fifth or sixth grade, I might've read a couple of books. Yeah. Junior high, high school, never completed a book ever. Yeah. I get out of high school and mowing lawns and a guy who's a millionaire, young guy, a millionaire. I'm like, how do you have this house? You must be a drug dealer. Yes, and, yeah, you know, that's, that's what you think, right? He's got all the whips of the cars lined yeah. up. He's like a Corvette, uh, yeah. four wheel drive truck, and I'm like 19, and he's maybe 27, 28, 29. How do you you and I'm in my mind? I don't say, "Hey, you're a drug dealer." But, I'm like, hey, <laughs> but that's what, what you're you thinking. Do? And he says, "Come into my house," and he says the library, and he pulls down a book, and it's Robert G. Allen. It's the second of it's the second edition of that book. It's okay. the rewrite for the 90s. Yeah. Um, and he says. I invest in real estate and you should too. And I literally the next day go to the library and check the book out. And it's the first book as an adult that I read cover to cover is that Robert G. Allen book. It's a different, it's the, it it was the second edition called nothing down for the nineties. Yeah. So also pace Morby Mm -hmm. pace Morby got to meet Robert G. Allen. I met Robert G. Allen also uh, a long time ago. Pace meets Robert G. Allen and like, it's like that book was the first book that Pace had also um, read. Wow. It kind of got him started in creative. So, um, so cool, man. So cool. I love, I love it.
0: Yeah. I'm buying the book right now on my phone. So nobody else swipes me.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and it's interesting that um, uh, just kind of, again, sharing a lot of people know, probably maybe even more popular was Carlton sheets. Yeah. I remember,
0: I remember I, so I was 12 or 13 years old. I already was infatuated by money, right? Making money, figuring it out. And I didn't even know they were called infomercials, but that's, that's what I was watching. I would get up on the weekends. Usually it was Saturday morning. Yep. I was, I've always been a morning person. And I would scroll through the, I don't know, 12 channels that we had or whatever, right? We don't have 300 channels like we do today, but there was always one of these channels that was running a Carlton Sheets infomercial. Yep. And even though I'd seen it 50 times, I would watch it and I would just be fascinated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Awesome. And it was like, and and this is interesting is that we didn't have YouTube or social media, but as a kid, like same thing, I was obsessed with money as well. And it was like, oh, I'm watching this show. And then yeah. it, when you and didn't even know it was a commercial, I and didn't if, either. You saw, if you saw yeah. it repeated, you thought it was a rerun. Oh, they're showing yeah. that show. Let me watch it again. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Carlton Sheet, this is a this is a cool story though. A lot of people yeah. don't know this. This is the history behind music a little bit. So oh. the history is that um, I learned this from Ron Legrand, also uh, oh, not yeah. as popular, but also another creative finance oh, guy. He's an OG student. as well. Yeah student of Robert and Carlton, Ron Legrand says he goes to his first real estate seminar and it was at a hotel, you know, on the weekend or like on a Tuesday night, it was the free intro, but then they'll sell the two-day weekend course. And the instructor, it was a Robert G. Allen seminar, but the instructor was Carlton Sheets. Carlton Sheets actually worked for Robert G. Allen
0: I and was that. also
1: a part of Robert G. Allen's uh, network and a part of his team back in the day.
0: Wow, we're getting some inside baseball. That's, yeah, that
1: that's, awesome. that's that's Ron LeGrand's story, and that's yeah. who he taught, or who wow. you know. And then Ron LeGrand yeah. goes off and does his own thing and pace more of you know. So it's just yeah. cool, man.
0: Yeah, the the big thing about Back to the Future for me is, and this is where you and I just are in lockstep. I see the next four or five years for real estate agents that that don't adapt it's going to be really hard yep it's also going to be really hard for real estate investors and home buyers because affordability sucks i'm not lost on that but in this chaos in this pain there is opportunity right your family for example you shared this story on several videos so i'm not talking out of school bought a property subject to they brought some money to the down so they could get an 8% mortgage instead of 16 or 13 or whatever it was we are operating in a world where even home buyers and and there's actually a tech company i'll see if i can find it that is trying to pair fha buyers with assumptions yeah um somebody sent that to me so i'll i'll bring that up in a minute but we're it's It's not going to be like the last two years where it's cash and quick close and DSCR loans and all of this, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to get creative. And I, I need to learn some more tools. I have never been through this. I have no direct experience in this
1: creative arm. So um, I look forward to skilling up. I love it. I love it. I I think, um, I think we should talk about Bruce Norris and just kind of, I think, um, what was great is I went to flipping, uh, flip hacking, flip hacking live, the event you spoke at last week, I mm-hmm. went there, I wanted to hear you talk of course. And you know, the benefit was, I didn't realize you and Bruce were speaking, um, basically back to back at the event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what a, what a treat, man. I forgot how, like, I know the guy is brilliant and he's just so much like a rich experience. But I love that he's probably the first 10 or 15 minutes of his talk, Mm -hmm. he spoke about his experience in the 80s being a brand new, and he was the original OG, something I talk about, hybrid. He was a realtor slash real estate investor and became the ultimate, one of the ultimate deal makers in Southern California in the 80s. And that how he was putting together and going out and doing creative finance and deals and raising private money and doing kind of all of it as a brand new licensee slash investor. So, um, man, yeah, Bruce this is so amazing. I,
0: I will, I will pay any money to go see Bruce Norris talk, even if I've heard his stories before. Yep. And cause he always drops a new one. Cause he's, but he's, dude, he shared at the event he's done 6,500 transactions, 6,500 transactions. That's, unfathomable to me. That is just wild. Um, but what, one of the things that I love about Bruce is he knows how to work. Yeah. That was his thing, right? He, so again, he, he gets infatuated by real estate. He gets onto this company. The company doesn't want to hire him. He basically says, I'll be your number one guy in the span of 30 days. You're an idiot not to hire me. The guy hires him like, Hey, you know, it doesn't cost me anything for 30 days. I'll hire you. Most of the people he was competing with would do one or two deals a month. He did like nine the first month. He was so good at what he was doing. He quit in ninety days and started his own thing. The guy knows how to work. He doesn't take no for an answer. He doesn't let data and feelings. He knows there's value. He knows there's opportunity. He just gets after it. That's that is Bruce Norris. And of course, he's always authentic, right? He told a story uh, about a deal that went sideways and he did the right thing. Um, unquestionable. And, um, yeah, it's, he's just such a good guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, you talk about a, well, yeah, hero, hero, absolute hero hero in my book. Um, you know, if, if, if he was a trading card, you know, I mean, he's right there. He's Babe Ruth. He he's, he's right there at the top, man. Absolute hero. It's interesting that I met, so this is, you'll like this. So nostalgia and going back a little bit, So, again, during that journey, 80s, 90s, when I'm getting started, there was somebody named Alexis McGee. Do you know Alexis out of Sacramento? I don't don't think so. So, Uh. her and her husband owned a company, a foreclosure service, and you would subscribe. And the original OG foreclosure service, when I first subscribed for it, and this was before I did my – I'm a student, and I'm trying to learn. You'd pay, I think it was 29 bucks, and every week, you'd get a mailer – They would mail it to copy all the notice of defaults and foreclosures. (laughs) And then I would go out and door knock them.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's say this, right? So you would get it in the mail. There was no fax yet. That's Not even a fax
1: machine. They might have had a (laughs) fax service, but I didn't have a fax machine. Okay.
0: They'd mail it in an envelope. Oh, that's funny.
1: It did upgrade to a fax service and then it upgraded to an email and then it upgraded to online and then they sold the company. But here's the beauty. They would do like how we do meetups or we'll say, Hey, we're doing a free zoom. Come join us well, they would do like maybe once a quarter, like a Tuesday night at a hotel. And of course they were going to sell a two-day event. Right. And I never, I, I did go to a couple two-day events, but I would always go to every Tuesday yeah. night, the free one. Of course. Cause it always add value. Well, Bruce Norris was one of those speakers wow. back in the OG. And he was teaching how to foreclosure invest. And he was talking about in the early nineties, this may have been 90, 91, 92, somewhere wow. in there. Before I was licensed, before I did my first deal, I saw Bruce Norris at a 90 minute, two hour Tuesday wow. night, Thursday night meetup. I can and, only imagine. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. And and if you guys don't know Bruce Norris, you should Google search him because I get to know Bruce Norris when he created his report called California Crash. Yep. Right. To kind of set this up for folks. So I get to see Bruce around 2004, 2005. And he had a 15 or 20 year. He was already the man when I meet him. and um. He creates this thing called California crash at the time. Olivia and I are heavily invested in California, single family homes. And he does this report that says California's going to crash. I'm sitting in the audience and he drops this, you know, affordability index and all these other charts. I mean, he's always been a data and chart guy. So I do what I do. And I'm like, okay, I understood like half of what he said. I'm going to go research the other half. And dude, I had an MBA I'd already been in real estate four or five years. I thought I was the the shit, and I still didn't know half the things he was talking about. So I go research it, and I uncover that I think he's right. So we sell everything in 2005 and six, right at the peak. And uh, then Bruce Norris comes back probably four years later and creates another report. This time I pay to go see it. Right, the first one was the kind of free thing. The next one I'm like, dude, you saved my ass. I'm I'm wherever you're going, I'm paying. And he does California Comeback and basically why prices are going to double or more. And um, again, I go back. This time, I understand like 80% of what he's saying. So I researched the other 20. I agree with him. So we go all in and we start buying hand over fist. And so one of the reasons I go to Flip Hacking Live is because Bruce Norris is speaking. I'm like, hey, I get a chance to speak. I get to say hi to a lot of people. And I get to hear the man, myth, the legend again he doesn't speak a lot anymore and he creates this report called um what did he call it i was going to say back to the future but that's not it it's um uncharted territories yeah i'm like "Ooh, uncharted territories right so then he gets to talking about all his normal charts and then he hits us with nobody's gonna sell the supply's not coming yep the stress is not there and I did not know he was going here, but basically what he says, my takeaway from his talk is we got all the appreciation in two years and we're going sideways for eight.
1: That was essentially yep.
0: kind of. Say that idea. again.
1: Say that again. Cause I think people really need to hear that. Say that one more time because that is a big, accurate. I mean, on point, say it one more time. Bruce believes we got the full decade of home appreciation
0: in two years. Which means we're going sideways for eight. That's what that means. He does not see the setup for a housing crash. And this is a guy that called the housing crash. And the housing comeback, by the way. So twice. um twice, yeah, he's he's got a track record, right? You gotta pay attention when Bruce speaks. So I thought it was really interesting. I had no idea. I'm obviously flattered because I have the same call and called it, you know, a long time ago, but not not nearly with the amount of data that Bruce shared with us. So I, um, you're right. He's a hero. He's a hero of mine for sure. It,
1: and I want to say this too, cause I want to make, be very, very on point. You've been talking about this for the last couple of years, especially the last year, year and a half, you've been saying it's sideways. It's this is this broken housing market. Again, original statement, at least to me, I would say our audience, a broken housing market and, longer. This is going to be, this is going to be a long ride extended. You've been saying that forever. So that was not a new thought. It was a confirmation. I believe for you, is that accurate, Michael? Well, yeah. I mean, I went to that
0: meeting expecting to have Bruce tell me something I didn't agree with or surprise me. And believe me, if Bruce would have said housing crash was coming, I would have thrown everything out and started over. He's that kind of a hero to me. I would right. have thrown everything out I learned or I believe, and I would have redone my analysis. The fact that he came out and essentially repeated what I've been saying for quite a while was like, oh, maybe, I, maybe I do know what I'm talking about. Maybe I am onto something. And um, I, uh, Olivia was next to me. And I, I remember starring the page when she said that and I
1: circled it and said, this is
0: what I said a year ago.
1: So it was pretty cool. Spot on. No, spot on. Let me, let me kind of, let me shift though. I want to ask you a question. This is the question I've been wanting to ask you for weeks and weeks. And, and I think this is such a relevant on point, what we're talking about. If we hit a black Swan event, mm-hmm. meaning unexpected from left field, you got potentially, you know, the middle East, you've got Ukraine, Russia, potentially too, let's just say, and I'm kind of maybe, leading into what could be a black swan and that you've got all this turbulence, war, wars, plural. Mm-hmm. And now we may be hit where the trillion dollar commercial real estate fallout. What we began to see in the spring, banks falling out. And all of a sudden we get back into this explosion of major liquidity, banking problems, wars, all of this. All of a sudden, maybe unemployment, a recession. Um if we're set, let's just say unemployment right now is sub four percent. Is that accurate? Yeah, three seven, I think. Three eight. Yep. Okay. So if unemployment doubles between now and next year, um just give us some thought. Black Swan unemployment doubles. Yeah, well, I mean, let's
0: let's let's talk because again, we're doing it back to the future. So let's assume yep. we
1: have an oil embargo. Yep. That
0: happened in the seventies. Yep. Feels we'll like we could too. Let, yeah. Let's assume inflation uh, does a double. It it goes back up. That happened in the eighties. Uh, let's assume. Let's assume unemployment. Let's assume unemployment's double digits. That's happened before. Uh, let's assume bank consolidation, credit event, all of this stuff. What happens? Well, the Fed takes rates back to zero. Uh, 10% of the United States is unemployed. 90% are employed. 30-year debts probably has a three on it, maybe a two. Uh, you probably get more inventory. You certainly get, let's just say this, you will get more, in, we will not have an inventory problem. The question is price. The question is price. And I don't know. I mean, if if we have 10% unemployment, we have World War III. We have um, all of these things going on. Absolutely, prices could fall. But I don't see the combination of all of that stuff happening in a very short window that caused price. It, again, everybody is overrated to the Great Recession where prices went down five years in a row. Historically speaking, housing is price inelastic because it's what I talked about earlier with my family most of the time the right answer is to fight and stay spot on not not give up and you know get paid that that was very much a one off so i don't know it's hard for me to put it together it's absolutely possible to get to the prize prize price crash um it's absolutely let me say it again absolutely possible nowhere near probable but it's on you know it's not zero
1: yeah and it's interesting that And my kind of two cents on it is that basically we're looking at where prices soften. I don't, I think too, like something about foreclosure. And I think this is nationwide. It's, it's obviously more so in California, but it's slow closure, not foreclosure. It's very slow. Like you said, your mom fighting people fighting. And then generally it seems as though the government back in 08, it felt like during the Obama administration, they put in all these programs to basically slow the foreclosure process, give people a chance to reset forbearances, loan modifications, that really didn't exist the way that it has over the last 10 or 12 years. Prior to that, there was never that kind of government intervention, Uh both state and federal. So Uh I don't think inventory increases, prices soften, but I don't, like you said, I don't think all of those things come to where it's crashing, or at least not Every segment of the market below the median, above the median, maybe above the median. Yeah, you it's can awesome. get some deals. There's always people in financial strain, and you get into an environment where your family
0: is two household income, you're living really close to the edge. You got the million dollar house or whatever it is, and one of you loses your job. That'll be a problem. That'll be a problem. So yeah, it's. I just think uh, I think you know, generally speaking, Black Swan, you know, not included. We're sideways for eight years, which is going to suck for the unprepared, the unwilling to change. But the people that want to skill up, become a hybrid agent like you talk about all the time, it
1: could be a great time. It could be. It's up to you, folks, if you're going to do the work. And I want to say, too, that for the One Rental at a Time community, you're watching this video, you're listening – If you're a part of this community and you're watching daily daily financial news, you're watching Friday financial wrap-ups, you're in tune with what Michael's producing, you're always, I believe, going to be a couple of steps ahead and at least know how to pivot and adjust. And if what we just described, that black swan or whatever we call it, this all of a sudden this big wave of a hiccup of economic uh, chaos, if you will – It'll only mean, I think, for the community, more opportunity. I wish no ill will for anybody out there. I don't want to see unemployment go to 10%. But ultimately, if we do see a market like that, one real at a time, community, it's going to be more opportunity. Michael, would you agree?
0: Yeah. Um, there's a saying that is unfortunately very, very true. Where there is great pain, there is great opportunity. And uh, if we enter great pain, the opposite is also true, great opportunity. All folks. That is a conversation with the one and only TYLG. We will be back on Friday uh, to have our Friday financial wrap-up. Ty, any closing thoughts?
1: No, I'd say thank you. Also, Realtors, if you want, I did a free course on creative finance. It's free. There's no pitch, no cost. All you got to do is email me, TY at TYLG. It's absolutely free. We want to get more people in Folks, T-Y at T-Y-L-G. Send him a note. He'll give you it. Thanks, buddy.